Grace and peace to you all. We have been looking at uh, the story of Jesus' life as told in the book of Matthew in the uh, New Testament of the Christian Bible. And at this point in the story, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who have been following him to hear about his view of life and how it is we should be living that. And as he was teaching them about the importance of their inner motives leading to outward actions being done for the right reasons, he taught them the Lord's Prayer as kind of a, a guide to examine ourselves. So saying the Lord's Prayer is a way not just to talk to God about things that are important, but a way for us to examine how we are holding up to the standard of Christian life. And to make it easier for his followers to understand what he was talking about, he went on after giving them the, the form of prayer, because he didn't say, just pray these words. He said, pray like this. He gave them a form of prayer. And he, he said, uh, uh, after that, he said, I'm going to make this easier for you. I'm going to give you some explanations for the various parts of that prayer. And as we've talked about this, we've seen how he emphasized the importance of seeking God's will rather than looking for personal enrichment or superiority over others or anything like that. The part of the prayer that we're up to, give us today our daily bread, is a check that we can use to see where is it that we are placing our trust. Now, Jesus offers elaboration on this passage in the area that we have set aside, calling it Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34. So if you grab a Bible and look up Matthew 6, starting at verse 25, we're going to start right there at that first thing that Jesus said. Um, by the way, if you recognize that your words don't quite match the ones I am reading when I'm reading out of Scripture today, it's probably because I'm using the Lexham English translation. It's not uh, the most widely known or used one. It's uh, a little more literal of a translation than the NIV or the NLT that we usually use here. Uh, obviously, I don't mind getting into the nuances of translating things from ancient Greek to modern English. And I know that some of you find that to be maybe more than you really want to know. Um, for example, my youngest daughter, who when I am getting all word geeky, she likes to chant boring and then roll her eyes at me. So that, that's her way of letting me know that I have lost her attention. Have I given you time to find your way to Matthew 6.25? Yeah, okay. Now, if your version is different, remember your words are going to be a little different. But what's important is the meaning they come down to is the same. It really is. Jesus is continuing his discussion of how to live a God-centered life by saying this. This is verse 25. For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, what you will eat, and not for your body, what you will wear. Is your life not more than food and your body more than clothing? Now, a lot of times when people read this, they define this as like a quantity thing. Well, life is more than just food. It's food and friends and family and cars and chocolate ice cream and watching TV. But that's not what Jesus seems to be driving at here. Instead, he's pointing out there is a value inherent in life that is greater than the value of food. And that, you know, clothes are nice and all, but isn't the body itself really so much greater than a pair of jeans? Well, what's Jesus setting up here? He's making a point 
about our perspective being too limited. I've been known to watch that American Pickers show from time to time. <laughs> All right, I watch it obsessively, I, I confess. What these guys do, they go out, they find these farms or other properties where people have like these great classic old trucks or cars or whatever. Uh, and they've been left in a garage or a field somewhere for years and years and they're rusting and they're falling apart. And the pickers, they're all about doing whatever they can to take these things that were made to be used and enjoyed and driven and they want to take them and fix them up at least to the point that someone will take that thing and love it instead of just leaving it sit somewhere to rot. And as much as we tend to think of manufacturers as being all about the profit, the things that they make, they make to be used. A, a car designer, she pours her life into that vehicle design. She sees it being manufactured. She watches the pieces being assembled. She sees her vision becoming a reality. And then she waits to see what will people do with her creation? Will they love it? Will they care for it? Will they drive it and enjoy it? Or will they ignore it? Or leave it parked in a lot somewhere to rust? Before it goes to market, that designer makes sure the car is going to have everything it needs so that it can be used the way that she intended. That means having fuel to keep it running, making sure there's roads for it to drive on, and that there are people who will buy and love and use that vehicle. An architect designing a building, they want to see their plan come to life. They want to see the building they've designed become this space that people move into and use. Uh, a boatwright builds a vessel to be sailed. A program director creates a program to become part of the lives of those who enter that program. In each case, they take care to be sure that what they're creating will be used, sustained, and fulfill its purpose. God made a life for you. He set up the environment in which you would live. He chose your parents to give you the chance to be the best you could be. There are established genetics he used to aid in that process. Just like a boatwright or an architect or a car designer, the Lord built you to succeed. He created your life to be used, to be driven, as it were, for a purpose. And your body is the same. He created it to do much more than just house your spirit and wear Nikes. Food and clothing, they're important things. They really are. They, they help preserve and improve our lives, and they, they power and grow and protect our bodies. But they're little things compared to our bodies and our lives, aren't they? The designer who created our lives did so with a purpose in mind and a, a plan for how we would be able to meet that purpose. And that includes making sure we're provided with fuel and roads and anything or anyone else we need in order to live out the purpose we were made for. Because your life is so much more than food and your body is so much more than clothing. Your designer doesn't want you abandoned in an old barn somewhere. He wants to see your purpose fulfilled. And Jesus doesn't just say that this is true. He gives us an example so we can look and see God's hand in action. Look at verse 26. 
Consider the birds of the sky, that they do not sow or reap or gather produce in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they are? Birds are day-to-day -day creatures. They, they haven't developed refrigerators or fast food restaurants. They simply go through life and look for food when they need it. And it's there. Now, I'm not saying birds don't work to eat, because obviously they do. And I'm not saying they don't store anything. Some do, some don't. There's a woodpecker that uses the side of my house to store stuff. What I am saying is that everything they need to make a life for themselves is provided to them. A friend once told me that the most burning question she had for God, should she ever have the chance to ask it, is why he created mosquitoes. And I told her, you know what, that's easy. Mosquitoes are there to feed the bats. I suggested every time that she got bitten or heard that shrill little whine in her ear in a dark place, that she should just take a moment to thank his God for his, thank his God, to thank our God for his provision for all of his creatures, because God's taking care of the bats with those mosquitoes. She didn't appreciate my observation, as people often don't. Well, you know what? Such is life. Now, while we're often encouraged in Scripture to make plans and to think ahead, we are never asked to worry. We're asked to trust. We're not told to trust blindly. We're told to work on faith. Faith is that proven track record of provision and care that God has always shown us. Sometimes we try to ignore our blessings and we just blame God for the things that we feel we've missed out on or that we wanted but we never got. But when we're honest with ourselves, we can see, you know what, I, I got everything in my life that I needed when I needed it. In fact, for most of us, especially here in America, we've had so much more than that. And I don't just mean food and clothing, but especially those. We've got a ton of that stuff. So what is there to worry about? And besides, what good does it do to worry? Jesus went on to say this. Look at verse 27. Um, and who among you, by being anxious, is able to add one hour to his lifespan? Okay, i got to tell you, what Jesus actually said is even stranger than that. That's a good translation. What Jesus said, though, is that no one by worrying could add even a cubit to their life. A cubit is a measure of distance from your, your elbow to uh, somewhere around here in your hand, and it's, uh, it's roughly 18 inches or half a meter on most people. Translating this to say that you can't add an hour to your life, that's perfectly fine. Um, but again, what Jesus said is you can't add a cubit to your life. And because a cubit is a measure of distance, there was actually this one early church leader, a guy named Tertullian. He, he said, because of this verse, because you can't allow worry to add, or I'm sorry, because you can't allow worry to drive you because worry can't add a cubit to your life. He said, well, you know what? In that case, it means wearing heels. That was something men did at the time. He said, wearing heels or women putting hair extensions in, those things are obviously forbidden. And, you know, we can look back on that and think that that would be funny, except, you know what? People took that seriously for a really long time. And if you ever want to know why I keep warning us, we have to be careful about translations and interpretations. It, it's not that they're bad. It's that when we lose the original context, we can end up in some weird places. Like Tertullian ended up in a weird place with this. When Jesus is just trying to say, look, 
don't worry about things. He's like, well, it means worry about whether you're adding heels to your shoes. That, that's crazy. Where our world is different from the biblical world, we have to tread even lighter. We need to understand, we have to listen to the meaning of what Jesus told us and the reason. And when we get the meaning in its original context and the reason in its original context, we will understand better what's really being told to us, right? Here, Jesus is just saying, don't worry. So guys, go out and put those heels on. Oh wait, fashion has moved on, hasn't it? Well, that's all right. Fashion doesn't really matter. Or, as Jesus put it in the next verse, why are you anxious about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin, but I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was dressed like one of these. But if God dresses the grass of the field this way, although it's here today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, he will not do, I'm sorry, will he not do so much more for you, you of little faith? Let me try that last sentence again. But if God dresses the grass of the field this way, Although it's here today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not do so much more for you, you of little faith? Oven, by the way, is the right word if you were curious. Dried grass and flowers and brush, these were the fuel for the fire that baked the bread in the community ovens in the villages and towns of the day. And if the untended, wild grasses and flowers that spring up on their own and grow into some of the most beautiful things on earth are just here for a flash and then gone, maybe to be burned, maybe to simply fade back into the dirt they came from, and yet God chooses to still make them beautiful, why are you worried? You are so much more than a bit of vegetable matter. I'm a terrible gardener. I can't even keep a potted plant alive. One year my wife bought me a miniature bonsai tree, and the man who sold it to her, he had cared for this thing from a seedling. They take about 15 years to grow, being pruned and trained to look just so. The whole job I had was to provide it with light, and then, once every two weeks or so, mist it with one of those little hand sprayer things. But I gotta tell you, within a month, it was dead. The limbs had turned brown and dried into sticks. I still have no idea what I forgot to do, but whatever it was, it was fatal. Another time, not long after Bridget and I got married, her mother brought us a rubber tree plant from uh, her office that had closed. And for 20 years, this plant, this beautiful rubber tree plant, five feet tall, it had survived under fluorescent lights. It had been fed nothing but stale coffee that was dumped out of the cups of the office workers at the end of the day. And then it came to my house. And two weeks later, it was dead, brown, and dried up. Which would have been great if we needed fuel for our fire, but we had an electric oven. The point here, besides the fact that I am not the person to give a potted plant to, is that God takes care of what he plants. I suspect that if I had cared about my gifts as much as I cared about the givers, I would have made a point of learning to care for them better. Plants can only thrive and grow when they are cared for. So when you see fields of flowers growing untended, or forests rising up without being farmed, or hedges blooming without any intervention, just ask yourself, 
who's caring for them that they're growing so well? And if God cares for these stray plants so much, how much more does he care for you? And what does that mean? Well, Jesus says it means this. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the pagans seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The, the pagans, in this context, is a way of referring to the whole world that wasn't considered to be part of the people of God. Remember that Jesus is talking to his followers about what it is they're setting their hearts on. So if your focus is on these things, food and clothing and money and things, then you are not going to have any energy or time or desire left to pursue the things that matter most. If you focus on the things that matter most and leave the little things to the God who says he will take care of them for you, then there is room for better things to happen. Jesus finished his description of what it means to rely on God for your daily needs by saying, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the uh, recovery community, the driving command is that we all need to live one day at a time. And I often remind people that it does us no good to live in the past. Not one of us can change any one thing that came before right now. Nothing from an hour ago or a day ago, nothing from a week ago or a year or more, nothing that has happened before can be changed. What's done is done. It cannot be undone. The most sincere apology can't untell a lie. No matter how much you pay, you can't undo a theft. No choice that has been made and acted on can be unchosen. We can only work forward from this point. And the same is true of the future. There is nothing wrong with planning for the future. But since none of us actually knows what the future holds, our planning will always have to be a little vague. And knowing the truth of that, what does anyone hope to accomplish by worrying at something? What good does it do for you to push your care out onto some phantom event that may or may not ever come about? Or, or maybe it will happen, but it's only going to happen after you get hit by a stray meteorite falling to Earth or after you have that aneurysm that you've given yourself by worrying so much and you find yourself dead, right? You wanna deal with something? Deal with today. Focus on what's right in front of you. Living in the kingdom of God is something that demands your attention and your awareness be in the present. What would happen if you focused all of your attentions on being present in the present. What if you paid attention to the people you were with? What if you stayed aware of what's needed within your reach today? What if you made a point of doing what needs to be done for today 
and then leaving tomorrow's concerns for tomorrow. Would you find that freeing? Would that be beneficial in your life in any way? This is the point of what Jesus is trying to tell us. If we trust in God to bring us what we need, we can take all of that energy, all of the mental thinking about all the things that we wish were one way or another, but this is what's in front of us instead. If we focused on just what's in front of us and we dealt with just what's in front of us, we could put so much more time and energy and effort into dealing with today. We could find that we had a life of abundance. We might recognize the blessings. We may find ourselves drowning in gratitude for the things that we have rather than worrying about the things that we don't have. You know what? That's the whole point that Jesus is trying to make by that. And when you pray in that prayer and you say, Lord, give me today my daily bread, what you're saying is take care of my little needs. Make sure that I'm covered for the stuff that needs to be covered. I'm not going to try to sway you as to what it is. I'm going to trust that you're going to give me what I need. That's all anyone, that's all anyone's asking. That's all God is asking for. In uh, kingdoms, back in the old day, now we're Americans. We're not so good with kingdoms. We, we elect our leaders and, and uh, we don't really follow them the way that people did in kingdoms back in the old days. But in the old days, the whole kingdom was assumed to be connected to the king. And therefore, if the king saw fit to see to the welfare of his people, he made sure that there wasn't anyone in his kingdom who was hungry. He made sure there wasn't anyone in his kingdom who didn't have clothing. He made sure, if he was a good king, to care for all of the people. And the assumption was, if you had a good king, you would be cared for if you lived in that kingdom. As we are talking about living in the kingdom of God, that's what we're talking about. Do you trust that God is a good king? He's going to provide for your needs. Or do you think of him more as uh, someone who doesn't care about you? That's what it comes down to. Because if God is God and he cares about you, then why do you need to worry about anything? I think that's a great spot for us to wrap up today. Brings us right to the end of chapter 6. Um, well, remember, we set those chapters. It's not like Jesus said, and hey, we're going to take a break here and move on. But that, that's uh, just the way it is. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much that you care about us. Thank you that as you designed us, you made sure that we would be able to have all that we needed to fulfill a purpose in our lives. Lord, we may not always understand the purpose, just as I'm sure a car doesn't understand the purpose it was created for. However, we are more than cars. We are more than birds. We are more than the animals you created, and we do have the ability to grasp somewhat our purpose. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to recognize that you do have purpose for us. So many people in this world feel cast off adrift, and a lot of times it's because they've let their lives be eaten by worry and pain and worrying about things in the past and trying to deal with things that are in the future, things that we can't affect. Help us to focus on living in the now. Give us what we need for today and help us to recognize that we have what we need for today. 
and tomorrow we'll deal with that when it comes in trust in you help us to remember to trust you Lord help us to remember that if you are God and you care for us all these things are taken care of we pray this all in the name of your son Jesus who is a wonderful example of how this works amen hey wherever you go you have nothing to fear because God is already there just go with God grace and peace to you all this week many blessings recognize your many blessings all right <laughs>